real quick, like just a reminder, because we're going to end the service a little bit different. Remember, next week we are not going to have a Sunday morning service. We're just going to have a Sunday night service at 6 o'clock. But we're asking, because what we've been doing, talking about the last few weeks have been, has been about the Holy Spirit and following the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You with me? And so next Sunday, we want to give you an opportunity to walk in that. Hey, you're going to have to turn that down a little bit, Dad. We want to give you an opportunity to walk in the Spirit, to be guided by the Spirit in the Yugo parking lot. You with me? So be there. Be there 12, 12.30 to help get everything started. And then at 1 o'clock, we're going to start. We're going to go until 3 or whenever. You know what I'm saying? Then we're going to come back here and celebrate Pentecost Sunday with a night of worship. Tracking with me? So, no service next Sunday morning, just Sunday night. We'll be there at Yugo to pray over people, hand out hot dogs. Because you always want to give something tangible when you're, when, you're, when you're doing this with people. But I really believe like next Sunday could be a huge Sunday. I actually called Justin in my office this morning and said, I think we should not have Sunday morning service next week. Just to give people, really for me, to allow you the opportunity to walk by what we've been doing. Then we're going to come and we're going to celebrate. Fair? Uh, invite as many people as you can because I really do believe that this anniversary, anniversary of Pentecost will be a big one, not only for Ship Church, but for the church in America. Because there's a, re- a revival happening on both ends, on the light side and the darkness side. You know what I'm saying? And we're like, and I'm, I was telling this, like, you see it, you see it just in the common. We, family group chat last night, we've seen it. This was what Target's doing and what they're promoting. You know, and 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 then we, and there's a revival on this side where I mean, you see Asbury, you see the move of millennial and Gen Zs just seeking after God. You with me? So let's come and celebrate next week what God is doing. But before I get into this to the sermon for today, I remember I was in seventh grade, the greatest year of your existence, right? Seventh grade year and awkward year, and I was. I was at a wrestling meet. I believe it was either at Halls High School or it was at um, Seymour, one of the two. Either way, they're both our enemies, right? Halls or Seymour. Sorry for all you Seymour folks. Okay? Just kidding. I thought y'all would laugh on that, but never mind. But I was at a wrestling meet. I'm just going to say it was at Halls High School. But um, I won my first match, won my second match, and it came time in the day for my third wrestling match. Me and my opponent walk onto the mat, and the ref comes up to us before we shake hands and said, hey, the winner of this match has 60 seconds after this match is over, and then you'll be wrestling for first and second place, whoever the next opponent is. Mom and Dad didn't know that. They were up in the bleachers. You know, so we start wrestling, and this match went every freaking round. You know what I'm saying? Like, like like every minute that you could wrestle in a wrestling match, that was it, right? And I came out with the win. I stood up, shook the, my opponent's hand, and the ref looked at me and said, you have 60 seconds. 60 seconds. So I'm on this opposite corner of the gym from where the bleachers are. So on my 60, 60 seconds, I'm walking, my hands on my hips, winded, just trying to catch my breath, looking at mom and dad up there. Mom has a puzzled look on her face, like, what, like why aren't you coming up here and getting something to drink? And, and I mouthed the words, I'm wrestling for first place. Mom just looked at me like, what, what, like, what did you say? You know what I'm saying? And Dad just sitting here like he normally does, all coolly like, you know. 
Yeah. And I remember walking, turning around from the end of the gym, walking back toward the mat, seeing my opponent ready to go. He had like 47,000 minutes of rest, right? And I get down, I get in the stance, we shake hands. Ref blows the whistle. And over the roar of the crowd, I heard my mother screaming. Like uncontrollable, like, like, like I, like I've never heard somebody scream before. It was like the, over the roar of the crowd, a crazy, the crazy screams of a mother, this undignified scream, right, of a mother cheering on her son as he whips some tail. Like something came over her. She, did, she didn't care what she looked like. She didn't care about the self-embarrassment because something took over her, and it didn't matter what anybody else thought. Her son was wrestling for first place. I could hear her over hundreds of people. Like hundreds, like it was almost embarrassing to me, to be honest with you. It was almost embarrassing to me, but something took over her. Like it didn't matter what anybody else thought. And P.S., I did win that and got first place in that tournament, y'all. Your boy's a champ at least once. But there's this this pastor and this author, his name is is Jack Hayfield. I recommend reading some of his books. Um, He once said this in one of his books. He says, when when a revival and a move of, of the Holy Spirit hits... It always embarrasses the flesh. When a revival and a move of the Holy Spirit hits, it, it, it will always embarrass the flesh. Hebrews 4 is clear on that. Hebrews 4. A move of God always reveals the hearts of man, and, and you never get, to get a move of God without, an, without the anointing of a sword that, that's offending to our flesh. It has to. Your flesh has to be offended. And here's why. We know that the gospel of Jesus, the mystery that we steward, the thing that we carry within us is infused with power given to us by the Holy Spirit. This gospel message is infused with power. That's why Paul would write in 1 Thessalonians 1.5, he'd say this, For our gospel came to you not merely in the form of words, but in mighty power infused with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. Here's the deal. The gospel without power is not good news. You tracking with me? The gospel without power is not good news. The gospel is good news because it still has the power to save, redeem, heal, and restore. If it doesn't have the power to do any one of those, it cannot be good news. Because even, even the book of Acts, uh, even the book, book, of, book, book of Acts, you know, it says, that, it says that even nature itself is crying out for redemption, as in the pains of childbirth. Like the gospel without power is no good news. We have got to give the Holy Spirit room to, to move and not be afraid of the mess that comes along with it. You with me? Because you will get messy. We, and here's the thing. We must get outside of ourselves. We must get outside of ourselves. We've got to lose ourselves. I think I'm, the Eminem song's playing in my head right now. Lose yourself in the music. and on it. Never let it go. Sorry. Young person reference. 
we got to get outside of ourselves. We've got to lose ourselves. That's why, why Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That, I'm going to give you this picture real quick. The cross was embarrassing to the flesh. They would hang you up beside the city street so that anyone walking by would see your guilt and your shame and your horror. It's embarrassing to the flesh. For a revival or a move of the Holy Spirit, it has to be offensive to your flesh. It may have to leave you a little bit embarrassed. You with me? So here's the deal. We have this promise, though. Like if we are willing, if we are willing to die to self, we have this promise all throughout Scripture. For example, Exodus 30, 33, 14 says, and he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Deuteronomy 31, 8, is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And then you have Jesus that says in John 14, 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another Savior or an encourager, the Holy Spirit of truth who will be, be to you a friend just like me, and he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him, but you know him intimately because he remains with you and will live inside you. I promise that I will never leave you helpless or abandon you as orphans, and I will come back to you. The Holy Spirit is like an engagement ring waiting for Christ's return. Like an engagement ring seals the bride. He will come back for you, but in the meantime, he's like, I'm not going to leave you lonely. We have this promise to never, to never leave us alone. And that's why I'm not worried about the shade that comes from trees that doesn't bear, that, that, that don't bear fruit. You with me? I'm not worried about the shade from other people who don't bear fruit. Because I am kept under the Father's wing, which strengthens and gives me rest, knowing that there is power and there is still power in the gospel. Romans 1, 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Thank you for reaching out to the Greek, y'all. That's us in this room. You hear me? This gospel unveils a continual revelation of God's righteousness, a perfect righteousness given to us when we believe, and it moves us from receiving life through faith to life through faith to the power of living by faith. This is what the scripture means when he says, "We are right with God through life-giving faith." This power of living by faith. Faith in what? Faith in the mystery that we steward. Because there's some things about us, when the Spirit moves it, it's unexplainable. We just have to be stewards of it. You with me? Like, I can't tell you how, how he turns sinners to saints. You with me? I can't tell you really how he turns dead things back to life again, because he's not, again, he's not interested in making bad people good. He's about bringing dead things to life. Like, I can't explain those. All I can do is steward that and be a vessel to this mystery that we, that we carry. 
Yet the good news is this this morning, is that the gospel still has the power to save, redeem, heal, and restore. This is the mystery. Colossians 1, 3 says this, for every time we pray for you, this is Paul speaking, writing a letter to the church at Colossians. In, in Colossians 2, he says, Every time we pray for you, our hearts overflow with thanksgiving to, to the Father, the Father God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your devoted lives of faith in Christ Jesus and your tender love toward all his holy believers. Your faith and love rise within you as you access all the treasures of your inheritance. As you access what? All the treasures of your inheritance. Ephesians 1, 13 says this, And because of him, when you, when, you, when you who are not Jews heard the revelation of truth, you believed in the wonderful news of salvation. Now we have been stamped with a seal of the promised Holy Spirit. He is given to us like an engagement ring. The engagement ring is given to a bride as the first installment of what's coming. He is our hope promise of future inheritance, which seals us until, until we have all of redemption's promises and experience complete freedom, all for the supreme glory and honor of God. And then 1 Peter 1, 4, we are reborn into, into a perfect inheritance that can never perish, never be defiled, and never diminish. It is, a, it is, it is promised and preserved for, forever in the heavenly realm for you. There is an inheritance for you. For you to walk in. But what is this inheritance? Because we can walk in our inheritance today. You with me? I want you to write that down. Make sure you know this. We can walk in our inheritance today. Without the worry of it, of it fading away or dying. Matthew records. Matthew, and we're going to talk about what this inheritance is. Okay? Matthew records Jesus, and I didn't put this in here since I ain't going to be like looking for it. Okay, Matthew records Jesus right before his ascension into heaven, giving his disciples the great commission. Right, go ye therefore in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right, but as he's speaking, like Matthew, Matthew said, quotes Jesus and saying, "All power has been given to me. Now go in that same power." You with me? And then Luke also carries this story, and Luke says this, he supernaturally unlocked their understanding to receive the revelation of the scriptures. Then said to them, everything that has happened fulfills what was prophesied of me. Christ, the Messiah, was destined to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Now you must go into all nations and preach repentance and forgiveness of sin, that they, they, will, they will turn to me. Start right here in Jerusalem. For you are my witnesses and have seen for yourself all that has transpired. Paul's right here just for a second. And remember, that witnesses, it has a double meaning. You're a witness of and a witness to, right? So there's, there's a thing that, thing that you carry, this mystery that we steward, that you, you'll be a witness for other people to see the miraculous. You with me? Then also be a witness as in sharing, as in a, as standing on a, on, a, on a stand giving a defense. You with me? For you are my witnesses, for you are my witness, and have seen for yourself all that has transpired. And I will send the fulfillment of the Father's promise to you, or I will send the fulfillment of your inheritance to you. So stay here in the city until the mighty power of heaven falls upon you and wraps around you. What is your inheritance? 
the Holy Spirit and the power that comes with it. What is this mighty power, this inheritance of the Holy Spirit, though? We've read it before, Mark 16, 15. He said to them, as you go into the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Yes, I'm, I'm quoting every Great Commission quote in, the, in all the gospels, just so you can get it. You ready? And he said to them, as you... Uh, go, Go back up, go back up. He said to them, as you go into the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. And these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes. We're not going to carry snakes, y'all. And from drinking anything poisonous. The snakes scare me. And they they will lay hands on the sick and heal them. That's our inheritance. That's our inheritance. Colossians 1.5 goes on to say this. He says, Your faith and love rise within you as you access all the treasures of your inheritance stored up in the heavenly realm for the revelation of the true gospel is as real today as the day you first heard of it, of our glorious hope. Now you have believed in the truth of the gospel. Now you have believed. It's as much true then now as it was then. It's available today. It's available today. But here's the thing. This clearly tells us is that the gospel is alive and active. It is alive today. It's, it, it's available to walk in today. Hebrews 4.12, For we have the living word of God, which is, is full of energy like a two-mouthed sword, it will even penetrate to the very core of our being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet and interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. There is not one person who can hide their thoughts from God for nothing that we do remains a secret and not, uh, remains a secret and nothing created is concealed but everything is exposed and defenseless before his eyes to whom we must render an account. It must embarrass the flesh. It must embarrass the flesh. Colossians 1.6 goes on to say this. This is the wonderful message that is being spread everywhere, powerfully changing hearts throughout the earth, just like it has changed you. Every believer of the good news bears the fruit of eternal life as they experience the reality of God's grace. Our beloved co-worker, I pray for you, I don't even know how to say her name, was there from the beginning to thoroughly teach you the astonishing revelations of the gospel, and he, and he serves you faithfully as Christ's representative. He's informed us of the many wonderful ways, ways love is being demonstrated through your lives by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Since we first heard about you, we've kept you always in our prayers that you, that you would receive the perfect knowledge of God's pleasure over your lives, making you reservoirs of every kind of wisdom and spiritual understanding. We pray that you will walk in the ways of true righteousness, pleasing God in every good thing you do. Then you'll, then you'll become fruit-bearing branches, yielding to his life and maturing in rich experience of knowing God in his fullness. And we pray that you would be energized with all the explosive power from the realm of his, of his magnificent glory, filling you with great hope. Your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think, how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. 
He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved Son. For in the Son, all our sins are canceled, and we have the release of redemption through his very blood. So here's the truth this morning. The gospel still saves because of the blood of Jesus. The gospel still saves. And in Colossians 1.15, he is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God, the firstborn heir of all creation. For in him was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth. And that is seen in all that is unseen. Every seat of, pow- of power realm of government, principality, and authority, all, it all exists through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in him. Like Derek, what, what does all that mean? It means this, is that the gospel of Christ completes or redeems us. The gospel of Christ completes or redeems us. Because it still has the power to save and redeem. Redeem is just meaning he's bringing you back. He's bought you back. Right? He's redeemed us. Like, like if you lost something, you find it at a yard sale, and that person still makes you pay for it, even though it was yours all along. He redeems it. You with me? Colossians 1.18 goes on to say, He is the head of the body, which is the church. And since he is the beginning and the firstborn heir in resurrection, he is the most exalted one holding first place in everything. For God is satisfied to have all his fullness dwelling in Christ. And by the blood of the cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence. Again, the gospel restores. The gospel restores. So the gospel has the power to save. The gospel has the power to redeem. Gospel has the power to restore. To restore you back to your original intent. And in Colossians, Paul goes on to say this. Even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadow of your evil of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. Who reconnected you? He did. You didn't do nothing. He searched you out. You didn't search him out. You with me? He drew you in. You didn't go running in. He reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there is nothing between you and and Father God, for he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. So he's recapping everything that he just said right there. Right? Nothing between you and the Father God, for he sees you as holy because you're saved, flawless because you've been redeemed and restored. If indeed you continue to advance in faith, assured of a firm foundation to grow upon, so everything up to this point, everything has to build upon those three things, Never be shaken from the hope of the gospel or the power of the gospel you have believed in. And this is the glorious news I preach all over the world. 
I can even celebrate the sorrows I have experienced on your behalf. For as I join with you in your difficulties, it helps you to discover what lacks in your understanding of the sufferings of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ experienced for his body, the church, so that in his detailed plan, I would fully equip you with the word of God. For this very reason, go back. This very reason I've been made a minister by the authority of God and a servant of his body, so that in his detailed plan I would fully equip you with the word of God. There is a divine mystery, a, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations. What is that mystery? What is that secret? It's the Holy Spirit. There's a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world. Uh, from the world for generations, but now it's being revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. For who to experience? Every believer. Well, Derek, I just don't know at all. I haven't, I haven't experienced that before. It's available today for free. Now it's being revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of, of hope, feel, hope filled with the riches of glory of his people. And God wants everyone to know it. Well, I just don't know if he wants it for me. He wants everyone to know it. Well, Derek, that's a little embarrassing. You're right. Hebrews 4. Well, I've seen that. What some of those people do, like it, it looks a little embarrassing. Embarrassing, like they're a little undignified. I was told, like, listen, let's get a little more undignified than this. You know what I'm saying? Like it's available for everybody, for every believer. Are you willing to lose yourself? Are you willing to lose yourself? The gospel empowers us with the Holy Spirit. That's the mystery. I don't know how they made it through that situation, but I can tell you how they made it through that situation because the Holy Spirit is embedded in them. Well, I don't know how they heal, how, how, how they healed it. Well, they didn't do the healing. It was actually the, the Holy Spirit that was embedded in them that did the healing. How did they know how to do that? I, all I can tell you is I steward the mystery of the Holy Spirit and it's inside of me. And so we're just pushing, I'm just letting it flow. Gospel empowers us with the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1, 28 through 29. Christ is our message. That's the foundation. We preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into full understanding of the truth. Because that's how people, that's how people come to know God. By the hearing of the word. And how do we know what to say and what to speak? He told us that a little bit earlier. By the revelation, the Holy Spirit gives us revelation. Revelation of the truth of His Word. We preach awakened hearts to bring to awaken hearts and bring every person into full understanding of truth. It has it has become my inspiration and passion and ministry to labor with a tireless intensity with His power flowing through me to present every believer the revelation of being His perfect one in Jesus Christ. That's the mystery that we all steward. Power comes from the gospel. Power still, the power of the gospel still saves. It still redeems. 
and it still restores. Well, Derek, you forgot one that you said earlier. I'm here to tell you that the gospel still heals. James 5.14 says this. Are there any sick among you? Then ask the elders of the church to come and pray over the sick and anoint them with oil in the name of our Lord. The gospel still heals. The gospel still heals. Are you carrying the mystery? Are you st stewarding the mystery? Do you want to steward the mystery? Do you want to walk in power? Do you want to walk in authority? As the scripture says that you have. Mine say, give it to me. We're going to end the service a little bit different. I'm going to pray. Justin, if you want to go ahead and come up here. I don't know. Whatever. I'm going to pray. And then you're dismissed to go. But if you want, if you want to be prayed over, be anointed with oil, you can do that today. Back with me. I'm going to pray. You're dismissed. And I'll see you Sunday at 1230 to help set up. So if you want to stay and be prayed over, anointed with oil, you can do that today. With me? Love y'all. But God, we want to thank you so much that you've given us a minute, a, a, a mystery to steward and the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray as we leave here today, as we, as we walk out of here today, we walk in your spirit. We believe in your spirit. That this week, we take every opportunity to be a witness of and a witness to what you are doing in the lives of people around us and the communities around us. Give us opportunities to lay, opportunity to lay hands on people and pray for them. Give us the opportunities to speak life into people. And I pray all this in your name. Amen. Love you.